I purposely cut her short just to just to make you go all the way from the back to the front. Oh. That's it's rude. I saw you back. I was like, oh, let's end this quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said, guys, this intro will be the best part of the service right. this morning, right. and you cut it short. It was a 15-minute-long song this morning. I was like, bro, that's too long. He's like, we'll see. And so, well, hey, good morning. Good to see you guys. We are so glad you were here. Let me give you uh, two quick announcements. Is if you haven't already uh, checked your Christmas kids' gifts in, uh, you probably need to do that. And then at the end of our service today, we're going to gather together, uh, and we're going to pray over them before we dismiss. And then... Uh, if you would like some Advent information for you and your family to be having some discussions, uh, we would love to equip you uh, to be able to, to have those conversations. And so uh, all you need to do is email Misty at misty at mergecc.com. Uh, and then next Sunday, uh, we're inviting you to wear your tackiest Christmas sweater. Uh, and so uh, within reason, gentlemen named Brock and Jeff, okay, Let's remember this is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say PG. This is G-rated, okay? Uh, and fully clothed Christmas sweaters, all right? Fully. Like, we don't need to see anything else. And so uh, that's going to be next Sunday. We invite you to do that. And so uh, we, are, we are so glad you were here. Let's take a moment before we lift high in the name of Jesus. Stand up, shake some hands, say it's good to see you.
much for right here, for right now, that we get to celebrate the birth of your son, of your one and only son, who you gave, you put on a cross for us to be able to have the opportunity of heaven with you and eternity with you. So I pray in this place right now, our hearts are humbled before you. We have a desire to, to sing of our adoration for you. We love you. We do this in your son's beautiful and holy name. Amen.
comes to him. Father, we thank you. Can't thank you enough for this gift that I don't know we'll ever be able to fully wrap our minds around. But I do pray that it would be the desire of my heart, of this church, that we would have a reverence over you being the King of Kings. And that every knee would come bow before the King of Kings and every tongue would confess that you are our Savior, that you are Lord. That in this place we wouldn't just sing this because it's a song, but that our souls would shout it because of the beauty of this gift. I pray our hearts would shake right now. We've seen this prayer to you this morning. We thank you. In son's holy name, we pray this song, this prayer. Amen. It was a moment when the lights went out. Death proclaimed its victory. darkest day in history they're on the cross they made for sinners every curse is blood
beautiful night filled with chaos. But out of it comes a salvation for every heart here. In a moment, it probably looks scary, hopeless. this birth, you sent a Savior who would carry the weight of our sin. I pray that we're not a people that takes that lightly. That we see the beauty in it, but we also see the hurt in it. out what we are to do, with the days, the hours, the moments that you've granted us, and our lives would scream, all hail King Jesus, all the glory, our testimony, would go to you and you alone, we thank you for this gift, we thank you for this season, and I pray that as we dive boldly into your word, If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Luke chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> I, I love uh, getting to build anticipation for, for Christmas. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, the older I get, the more difficult it becomes to, to slow the, the time of the season and the, the pace of the season down to, to really focus in on uh, why we celebrate Christmas and why that should draw our hearts uh, closer uh, to God. In fact, we, uh, as we build anticipation towards the celebration of, of Christmas morning, uh, we've, we've also begun here at Merge a journey through the Gospel of Luke, and, and the opening chapters take us into the Christmas story. Now, not in the sense of uh, like a Hallmark movie where the circumstances just so happen to be in the month of December, right? As Susan, who is a, you know, high executive in New York City, goes to her hometown in Crabapple Cove, Maine, you know, to find love at the coffee shop, right? Um, but, but we are centering our hearts around Christmas, like the movie Die Hard, where there's an actual Christmas party going on Christmas Eve, you know, uh, as it talks about the story of Jesus. And, um, but... But, what, but Luke opens by taking us into two impossible situations, just like Die Hard, that Bruce would win, you know, and John McClane would uh, push over the Swedes. So, um, but he takes us into these impossible truths that, that, that first we saw last week as the angel Gabriel comes into uh, the tent of meeting, or the temple, I should say, not tent of meeting, uh, he goes into the temple and he meets with a priest named Zechariah, uh, and he says, "Hey, uh, your your wife is going to conceive a child, uh, and he's going to give birth." And again, we remember because Zechariah and Elizabeth are both advanced in years, and but but not only are they going to have a a son, but John's birth uh, correlates with the Christmas story because the 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 message and the prophecy spoken over him is that he will be uh, a great, mighty man of God who comes in the spirit of Elijah, and he will make ready a people for the Lord. Uh, and so, 
So, so now if you remember, Zechariah responded with unbelief, right? He wants, he wants more proof other than this angel who appears before him out of nowhere. Uh, and, and he says, you know, how is this going to happen? And, and Zechariah's proof uh, would, would end up re- being that he would remain mute until uh, John is born. And, and we ended our time last week talking about how, how Elizabeth concedes and she withdraws and she worships and she celebrates God because now she is pregnant and he has taken away her reproach among the people. Not her reproach from God, but her reproach among the people. And, and today we're going to travel again with, uh, really just with Gabriel, uh, as he visits another woman who, can, who will conceive a child. And this one is really on the other end of the pendulum swing, right? Uh, so where Elizabeth was old and past her time, uh, Mary uh, will be young and she will be engaged and she will uh, be a virgin. And so, uh, so, so let's remember this. As we, we said this last week, that in both of these promises that we get to explore uh, there's an overall principle in that uh, God always, 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 always accomplishes His plan for His people. Like, there's not a plan of God's that gets thwarted by really any one of us or an enemy attack. And so, so, so where we were, where last week we saw uh, the, the first of these two basic ways that we can respond to this truth, uh, today we get to highlight... Um, that, that where Zechariah responds in unbelief, that Mary is going to respond in a way that teaches us that, that it is possible to believe God's plan, even if, even if we don't fully understand how that plan works itself out. Uh, and so, so, so more than uh, that, however, what we're going to get to see prayerfully uh, is a better glimpse of who, what God was doing by sending Jesus in the way that he did so that we can see uh, his glory and we can experience uh, his love. And so, so let's pray. Father, we come to you and we, we thank you so very much that you love us and you care for us. And, and we pray this morning as we get into uh, Luke chapter 1 that, that you would speak to us. You would reveal things in our hearts that uh, we are unaware of. And that out of our time together, we would be able to, to respond in celebration uh, because of your great love. We thank you for these things in advance, and we rely on the power of your Holy Spirit to speak today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Alright, so let's just go. Uh, last week we ended in verse 25. Let's pick it up in verse 26. That sounds like a good place, right? So here we go. In the sixth month, Okay, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now, if you like to underline your Bible to look super spiritual, these are there, there's two things I want you to do. I want you to square in the sixth month, okay, because that's going to be important here in a moment. The angel Gabriel, and then you can underline these words, was sent from God. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a moment to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin. You can circle this word betrothed uh, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, and you can underline and then put a cross at the end of this, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and and of his kingdom there will be no end. You can square that, right? There will be no end. And so, so verse 26 comes back, and it takes us into the sixth month. Now, the question is, what sixth month are we talking about? Well, what we're discussing is this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. 
Uh, and so, so the angel Gabriel was sent from God. And I, I, should have, I really should have stressed this more uh, last week, but I didn't. The fact that Gabriel is sent by God is one of the most fundamental facts about Christian about Christmas and, and the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, in fact, uh, God, the Father, has initiated all of this. And so, so Christmas has, has no biblical meaning apart from our Heavenly Father. Now, now it may have an American meaning uh, without Him, but, but it does not have a historical or a true or a biblical meaning without Him. That, that Christmas is about the creator of the universe who is, who is not himself part of this creation, moving himself in the person of his son into this universe that, that he has made. And, and, so, and so what makes, um, what makes this fact even more remarkable uh, is that this created universe, the, the personal part of it and, and the moral part of it, is that uh, this created universe is in rebellion against the God who is in breaking. Uh, so, so the God who breaks into the story of our lives does so in these exact moments when we are rebelling against Him. And so that, that paints this incredible picture of His love uh, for, for us. And so He comes into this universe that He made in order to save those who are in active rebellion against Him. I think one of the clearest statements in all of the Bible comes from the words of Paul in, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. And it's simply just, this is the first part of it. It says, The saying is trustworthy and is deserving of, of full acceptance. And that's, that's Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's what it is. And so, so I, I stress this because it is imperative that we would understand that Christmas is, is God-initiated, right? So, so all other world's religions are based on, on how we achieve a standing with a God who is some place that we must travel to. Uh, and Christianity stands in this gap and it reveals a God who is entering into the story of, of the people that he is saving and he brings us peace and, and joy. And not that, not that we've earned that kind of favor, but because his love for us is fierce and it's great and, and so so what Luke does in this passage is he tells us how 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 this absolute God breaks into his creation to save sinners and and then uh, he tells us who it was that came from from this inbreaking and and that's what I want us to see in in Gabriel's words to Mary uh, and so so the question we're asking is simply this who came in uh, from the inbreaking of God into the universe? And it's simply this, a king. A king has come. That, that verse, uh, verses 32 and 33 give us all the descriptions uh, we need. He says this, that the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, so what we receive in Jesus is a king. And we, we sang that, right? Our king has come, so let us adore him. Let us cherish him. And now what makes, I think what makes this difficult for us to reconcile uh, is that we believe in democracy not monarchy. Uh, we believe in um, elected officials, not kingships. And, and, and so, so we think of kings as dictators, and democracy is, is what the world, um, in our estimation, democracy is what the world has advanced to as it's matured, uh, as, as societies develop. And, I mean, I think clearly we've proven that over the last couple months, right, in our own political climate that we've this is the evolution of wisdom and maturity um and kids if you haven't voted yet you'll get that one day um because it's always been this way but by and large uh we we believe that democracies are are more advanced and more developed and more suitable 
uh, for, for a modern world. And, and now what I'd like to do is I'd like to, to introduce a counterthought. Okay? I don't know if this will go over with you very well. Um, but I'd, I'd like to introduce a counterthought that I believe that, that the only legitimate reason uh, that, that kingship is not attractive to us is because in this age and in this world, the kings that are available are finite and sinful people. Uh, that, that the saying goes that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and so, so we look at, at kings and we say they can't be trusted because they can't um, lead in a way that is for the benefit of all people. And, and so, so, so democracies become more advanced. And, uh, and, and I think the words of C.S. Lewis, he wrote an essay uh, that's found in a book called Present Concerns. Uh, and and C.S. Lewis describes uh, why he believes uh, in democracy. And I think it's interesting. He says, he says, a great deal of democratic enthusiasm descends from the ideas of people like Rousseau who believed in democracy because they thought mankind so wise and so good that everyone deserved a share in the government. And he says, the danger of defending democracy on those grounds is that they're just simply not true. He says, I find that they're not true without looking any further than myself. That, that I don't deserve a share in governing a hen roost, much less a nation. He continues, he says, the real reason for democracy is, is mankind is so fallen that no man can be trusted with unchecked power over his fellows. He says, he says Aristotle said that some people were only fit to be slaves and and Lewis says, I, I don't contradict him, but he goes, I reject slavery because I see no men fit to be masters. And, and so, so if, if there could be a king who, has, who is not limited in his wisdom and his power and his goodness and his love for his subjects, then, then my contention is monarchy would be the best form of government. Uh, because if, if such a ruler could exist uh, could in the world with, with no weakness and no folly and no sin, then no wise and humble person would ever really want democracy again because we would fully believe, we would fully trust in the care of our king. And now here's, here's why I, I say that because I see some of your eyes and you're like, that's the dumbest thought I have ever had. Right? Or you have ever had Brandon, not you, as I. And what I'm telling you is when we read the Bible from, from beginning to end, that's exactly the structure that God has created. That you will have a king who will reign forever. And he not only will reign forever in the ways that we fear a dictator will reign forever, that, that he will reign forever as a, as a shepherd who cares passionately for his people. That he will meet every single need. That he will mend every single wound. That, that he is worthy of all praise and he is worthy of all glory. That, that he alone has been given the name King of Kings and, and Lord of Lords. And in that moment, when, when, all, when, when he comes back and he reigns in the way that has been promised... That, that we will never again look at another person who has been created and say, you know, I think you can do a better job. Never again. And so the structure of the Bible is telling us that our King has come. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, and when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he means his movement on this earth so that when we trust him in faith, everything can go him. And so, so Gabriel describes what kind of king do we have. And he does so in four different ways. And the first way he describes them, he says, we have a king who is holy. We have a king who is holy. And this word, it's full of hope for us because, because it means that this person is fit to die as the spotless lamb of God in our place. And, and, and he is fit to rule as a flawless king. That, that, that unholy kings create the need for democracy. Uh, and, and a perfect and a holy king would create 
universal peace and perfect justice. We would never have to second guess his ruling again. And this is, this is who he is. He is, Jesus is holy, that he is the son of God. Uh, this means that when God broke into the universe, the person he became was both divine and human. The king who rules the world is not just the king of Israel as uh, the son of David, that he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords as the son of, of God. And to have this as your king is to be protected by infinite power and infinite amounts of love. Every single time. So, so no one can destroy you. And I believe if we would get that, if we would understand that, the power of our lives would become unmatched when the world wants to push up against it. Thirdly, we have, the, as we talk about the kind of king, his name means something. And the name is Jesus. You shall name your child Jesus. And I, I love Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, because it adds... Uh, you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And, and the name Jesus corresponds to a Hebrew name that, that we have in the Old Testament, Joshua, which simply means Savior. And so, so, therefore, the king of the universe is given the name Savior, and he's not just Savior of the righteous, because there are none. He's the Savior of sinners. All of his holiness and all of his deity and all of his power stand in the service of his saving mercy, that God broke into the universe to be a holy and a divine saving king. And then the fourth description that Gabriel gives us is forever. So, so the king of Israel, who is also king of the universe, uh, will, will never need to be replaced. There will never be an election for the new president of the universe. Never. There will never be a successor sitting upon the throne of Jesus because his kingdom is forever. Therefore, his salvation and his protection and his provision remains forever. And so, so what, does this, what does this mean for us? How do, how do we wear this beautiful reality? And, and, and our response... It's celebration. That we celebrate this. We receive this. We live each day wrapped up in it. That, that, that our King has come so we lay down our arms of rebellion and we receive the forgiveness and we swear allegiance to Him as the holy, divine, saving King that He is. And so this is, this is what Gabriel says to Mary. Now, Let's talk about how Mary responds. Verse uh, 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And uh, I think if, if we're following along with our story, we'll remember um, that, that Zechariah has a familiar response. He, said, he asked, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years and and now this results in him becoming mute uh, and so mary asks how will this be since i am a virgin and now there's a difference and i wonder if you if you see it uh because because it's subtle um and gabriel is going to respond differently to mary's response so so zechariah says how shall i know mary says how will this be? And now it's, it's subtle, but it's so telling that Mary's not asking, can you do it? She's asking, how will you do it? And, and, and her question builds on faith, not dis, disbelief or, or unbelief. And this is why Gabriel doesn't rebuke her. Instead, he just, just explains he says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so, so when God says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, this isn't in the sense that, that, that God will impregnate Mary. What, what this takes us back to is Genesis 1 verse 2 where it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. 
in creation. It's, it's what Jesus is quoted as saying in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, that, that as He was coming into the world, He said, You did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. And so, so by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of God the Father, a body was prepared for God the Son who would be brought forth through Mary. And, and so, so because Christ is, is fully God and He's fully man, He becomes a perfect Savior. And so, so, so He needed, uh, or actually really we needed, uh, Him to be God to supply the righteousness that we humans couldn't achieve. Uh, but, but He needed to also uh, be man to supply to God the sacrifice that we owe. And so, so we don't have to stumble uh, with Jesus' deity and His humanity because the angel assures Mary and He assures us in verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth uh, in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then He says this in verse 37, For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And I think the moment you admit the existence of God, you must deny the impossible. You must. That, that with God, it's nothing that a barren woman and a virgin woman would both conceive. It's not. In fact, that, that's just like Him. So verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, and check out this response. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And, and I love this response because here you have a young woman who doesn't understand all of the steps, but she echoes the prayers of our heroes of faith. Like she... she her, her, her response reminds us when Isaiah sees a vision of the Lord in Isaiah 6 and, and God says, who's going to go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. He, he, she's like Esther when she says, if I perish, I perish, but I've been brought into this story for such a time as this. She's, she's like Ruth who looks at Naomi and says, your people will be my people and your God will will be my God. It brings to mind Job's um, uh, statement when he looks and he says, even if God kills me, I will hope in Him. It draws us back to this prayer that Jesus will pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when He says, Father, it's not my will, but Yours be done. This, this right here, guys, this response in Mary is how faithful people respond to God's plan even when they don't understand Him. Even when. Because here's what she doesn't do. She doesn't break in and say, okay, I'm almost on board. Here are the things that I need you to do in order for me to get completely on board. She doesn't walk in and say, okay, I need all of these lights to be green because I really don't want to stop at any of the lights, God. And I think when we talk about trying to be people of faith, this is our response. And it must be our response. And, and I think the only way a person can genuinely say what Mary says is to believe that God's plan is better than our plans for ourselves. Because doesn't that reveal or expose us? That if we truly believe that God's plans for our lives are better than ourselves, then we would have no qualms about saying, all right. But yet there's doubt that lingers and there's trust that falls short. So when Mary responds in faith, she, she faces the potential of, of public shame. In fact, uh, her pregnancy is going to make life really difficult for her for the season. 
Uh, in fact, she, she faces the prospect of, of divorce of a, or a broken betrothal, uh, never marrying. She would likely wear a scarlet letter of her day and be forced from home and family. She would uh, be destitute. And though she, faces, she potentially faces all of this, Mary speaks in faith and she concludes, Whatever your will is for me, let it be. Let it be. And I wonder, and I ask, do we have this kind of faith? Do we? I pray that we do. And I think to express this kind of faith, we must renew our commitment to the Lord each and every day in some way. So it's fine. We, we can start wrapping this up. Let's get to, let's get to verse 39. Because there's a really cool thing that, that develops here. In those days, so in what days? Those. You know, those days. In those days, Mary arose and she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of, of Zechariah and she greeted Elizabeth. Okay, and, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the, check this out, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why, this is, grant, why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So, so there's two thoughts that I believe linger in this exchange. That the first one is, is God always accomplishes His plan for His people. God always, 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 always accomplishes His plan for His people. And then I think the second thought is, is simply this. When was the last time you were in the presence of Jesus and your heart leaped for joy? When? When was when were you, did, when was the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit in such a way that the only proper response is celebration? This is what I find remarkable about John the Baptist. Because we don't get, it, we don't get to see much about him in the Bible. Uh, though again, Jesus will describe him as, as of everyone born among women, there's no one greater than John. And in the womb, he just, become, he just comes into the proximity of Jesus. And worship erupts in the womb of Elizabeth. And I think that takes us back into just some of the incredible things that God says about knitting us together in the womb. About the celebration that, that takes place, about the dreams that are prayed over us. So the question becomes, when was the last time our hearts were so stirred by Christ and Christ alone that we leap for joy. And the reason why I say that is because joy is a difficult emotion to hide from the world. Right? It's near impossible that when you see joy in its purest form, you're just, you're just like, that's evident. That's a happy person. And then secondly, that joy becomes contagious. So we make a point to help us be aware that Christ comes into the world to save sinners, of which, you know, we might all agree with Paul when he says, of which I'm the fourth most. And we, we say that because that's important for us to understand our state. 
But we also come to say, our Savior King has arrived. And Christmas is just about the inbreaking. It's just showing the inbreaking of the promises of God coming to the next step of their fulfillment. And both of those things are important because when you put them together, you see that our sin can't dominate what Christ has done. In fact, what happens is Christ dominates and fulfills what our sin has done in our relationship to God so that as we respond, as we look at that, that our hearts would leap with joy and we would live in peace because what is broken in us has been made whole. And then all of our fears, all of our doubts, all of our questionings find their fulfillment in in Jesus. So when was the last time? When was the last time you were in the presence of Jesus and you leapt for joy? Our desire this week is to love God by loving people. And as we wrap up, there's we're going to do a couple things, but I want to make sure that I... Uh, that I make evident to you. If you need prayer this morning, we long to pray with you. If you've never asked, if you've never had joy in your heart, if you've never leapt for joy because of Jesus, maybe today's your day. We believe there's no way to have right relationship with the Father except through the Son. And we believe that because that's what the Son says. So we want to walk with you in that. We want to answer some questions. And maybe today's your day. After we dismiss, there'll be some people over here. We want to, we want to pray for you in the, for those things. And, but lastly, uh, what we want to do, we do this every year, um, really since the beginning of Merge. Every Christmas we gather to for our Merge Christmas Kids adventure. And every year God is faithful to provide a need for us to be involved in in our community. So each bag today, and I don't know if we have all of our bags, and, uh, and if you don't have your bag, then uh, you know, we'll just, you'll have to get it to us, or we'll just go find that kid and give them your address and say, this is why you don't have Christmas this year, Brock. Um, but we, we, can, we can brag we can celebrate and we can hug each other we can pat each other on the back and we can say man look there's there's a lot of gifts here but but here, here's what I want us to do we're going to take a moment and I'm going to invite us to stand and come and we're going to lay hands on on the bags but but here's from this point forward here's what I encourage you to, to know that these aren't bags and gifts that we pray for each bag is standing an intercession for a child, for a family. And our desire isn't really just to give people um, some relief in this Christmas season. It's not to provide something for a kid that, that wouldn't otherwise be provided, even though that, that's the byproduct of it. What our, what our desire is is that somehow, as these kids open up these gifts, they would know that there are people like you in this community who long for them to meet Jesus. And all this does is help hopefully and prayerfully connect. Now, if we truly believe that we serve the God and not, that we serve God and nothing is impossible, there is no reason for us not to believe that one day we will have the opportunity with each kid that, that gets these gifts, we'll have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. He has made stranger things happen. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to stand uh, and let's, let's all gather around. And I'd just like to invite you to just to, to, grab, to, to see or grab, put your hands on uh, one of these bags. Sounds weird to say, put your hands on one of these kids.
we're, we're believing in faith that this is social distancing enough for Jesus. And uh, let, let us pray. Father, we thank you that you love us and you care for us and you, you're so willing to walk beside us. And, and we thank you that, that you stir our hearts for others. Father, as we pray for each child that's represented here, we, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, let us have a relationship with each one of these kids and with each one of these families. And, and if not us, let us believe in faith that you will connect them to a church that wants them to know about how great you are and how loving you are to them. Father, we... We lay these gifts at the altar of your throne. And we ask that you would multiply them with life. That you would bring to us an awareness of your goodness. And that you would send us out to the world to speak about who you are. So Father, we thank you that you let us be a small part in your big story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless. You are dismissed.